Hello friends and welcome to another episode of People Talking People with Zavid Hire. My name is Sam Dreyfus and I am your host. Today I'm joined by Kate from Collins Food Group. So hello and welcome again to People Talking People with Zavid Hire. Uh, my name is Sam Dreyfus and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Kate Rogers from Collins Food Group. Kate, thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat uh, with me and the company today. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are, flesh all of that out. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting, an interesting journey and I think one that keeps on evolving, I'd say day on day, because I never know what the next day is going to bring. Um, but yeah, currently with Collins Foods Talent Acquisition Manager, been in that role mm-hmm. for around nine months now, um, but certainly not a not a recruiter by by, by background by any means. Uh, so started my career, um, ironically, as a manager at McDonald's. Uh, had no idea what no I wanted to do. Yeah, no, literally no idea what I wanted to do. Went to uni, started it, did that for a couple of months, realized it wasn't for me, um, and then continued continued with Maccas. And, uh, at the rifled age of 21, decided that I should probably go to uni. So decided to, yeah. to go back to uni, uh, loved working with people and knew that that was probably perfectly suited to me. So long story short, ended up working in learning and development and mm-hmm. pivoted learning into organizational development. Uh, then I went into communications, so did doing internal comms and culture as well. And, uh, and then the opportunity came up nine months ago to, I guess, take all of those wonderful things from uh, the cultural side of things and, uh, and apply it to talent. So talent acquisition manager is, is the latest one. Um, so a little bit of a roundabout journey, but uh, I think it all, it all makes me who I am today and, and what I bring to the role. How exciting. So you already mentioned your um, first role at McDonald's. I love, I love that. Uh, I love the honesty that comes with people in, I suppose, not later life, but you know, early career, early mid career that are like, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Cause you speak to young people and they're just like, I have no idea. And I'm so scared and everyone's got it figured out. I'm just like, no, no, that's not real. Like, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's nice to hear that. Um, it's nice to hear that I think at 21, 22, 23, I also had no idea what I wanted to do, but it's good to hear that it works out, right? Most of the time it works out. Most of the time it does. Yeah. So. Uh, I noticed on the Collins Foods website you have um, there's values that you guys align by, and obviously uh, the team, or the values and the vision of the company uh, align with the people that you hire. So um, I want to ask firstly, I know the first job, um, but McDonald's being the first one, what was your dream job as a child, uh, and what did you really dominate at as a kid? I, when I was reading this question, Sam, it was so interesting because I honestly had no idea as a child what I wanted to do. Like I just, I played netball a lot as a child and I, and I was actually quite a sporty person. So most, most sports I did, I was good at. And, um, and I think for a long time I had this, you know, pie in the sky dream of becoming a professional netballer, which as I, as I came into my teenage years, I realized was probably more of a dream than a, than, than what would become a realization. Um, especially I guess from a, a female sport perspective, you know, that mm. was not, not really a thing at the time. Um, I loved playing, I, I thought I was going to be a hairdresser at one point. Um, and now I think, oh my God, I couldn't think of anything worse than, than me being <laughs> a hairdresser. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, I really had no idea. And I think it was really interesting because as I, and it probably aligns to, to what I was just saying about starting my career at McDonald's is, you know, I went to a really exclusive all girls school and there was always this mm. pressure around, you know, you need to know what you, where you're going in life. You need to have, mm. you need to select your subjects to align to this career path. And I really had no idea. I just loved living life and giving everything a go. Um, but I didn't know what that, that, what that job was. And to be honest, even if you'd asked me 10 years ago if I'd be doing what I'm doing today, I, I would have said, no, no way. Or what What even is that job? Like, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, yeah. And so it's just been this really fluid, I guess, um, pathway to, to my career and what brought me here and, and, and kind of realising through experience what I was good yeah. at and, and what I enjoyed as well. And um, yeah, so there was there was no no goal. I certainly didn't uh, decide when I left school that I was going to go into that people and culture or HR pathway. Um, mm. and, and to be honest, I don't think I really even knew what that job looked like or what it entailed until I kind of started my started my journey in that space. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I hear this story like time and time again, like people like, um, I don't know what I want to do. So there's kind of like two schools of thought in it. Like people either, people kind of get stuck not doing anything and then they like kind of whinging and get a bit upset about like, I don't know what I was going to do, so I'm going to do much. And I'm, I don't know what my calling is, my passion is, and I kind of get a bit lost and, you know, and then there's that inaction and then there's just, just do anything, right? Like, yeah. and that kind of perpetuates a cycle of, I love this, I hate this. And like, it's obviously, I mean, so the first question I should have asked is, are you six foot? Like in person, how tall are you? Because netball is, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I might be five. I'm yeah. five eleven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So you actually had a, a chance. I'm, I'm like five eight, so there was no way I was playing basketball. Like, it's like, <laughs> no, it's not my sport. Okay, so you had a good in with a fighting chance. Yeah. 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 I was. I was pretty. I was. Uh, I, was I was pretty good. I was pretty decent. But yeah. um, but yeah, I I did also rupture my ACL at seventeen, which kind of uh, crushed those dreams as well. In so. netball. Yeah, netball. Yeah. Jeez. That's rough. I, I knew it was really tough on the knees. It is. I did. I actually ruptured my other ACL six years ago as well. So in netball, in netball as well. I didn't learn my lesson. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That, I suppose <laughs> that like that lateral movement, that jarring lateral movement, is just like just done, and then it is. That's a bad yep. big recovery. So how long you have for? Uh, so I, I actually only just went back, came back this year. So I took, I, I retired at the time, retired. Nice. Professionally, um, professionally retired. Yeah, yeah. Professionally <laughs> retired. I've just come back and, and started to play socially again. But I, I tell you, I can feel that six years of age on my knees. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think they say, well, once you hit 30, it's just like downhill and I'm like, just about to hit 30. I'm like, yeah. okay, it's just coming. It's coming. Well, I, I, I'm feeling that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I wouldn't be able to tell. Um, oh, so I just want to, yeah, I want to, I want to say go back to uh, your history. So you obviously started um, traineeship with McDonald's um, and the manager there, and then you moved to Black Milk, um, which I'm going to shout out to a friend of mine, Mary. She loves that brand. I think she has 80 pairs of leggings. Um, oh. And and for my birthday, got me a pair of the Marvel ones, um, which we wore to an event. Uh, not super proud about it, but they were, they were, she loves that stuff. So, so what, what did you, was it training and development there as well? 
yeah, yeah, training and development as well. Um, yeah, it was a really exciting time. I never actually had heard about Black Milk until I until I joined them. Mm. Um, certainly a, a, a very different place for, for me. It was very entrepreneurial, I guess, after coming from big mm. corporations such as, as McDonald's going into, um, you know, uh, e-commerce is, is a very different yeah. space. All of the principles are exactly the same. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I think it, it, it made me think outside the box. It made me apply a very different type of thinking as to, you know, how do those same concepts apply, but for a very different business. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it though. It was quite a young company when you began. It was, yep, yep, super, super young company. Uh, they'd just gone over in and had opened up um, over in LA as well. So they, they were going through right. some expansion at the same time um, mm. and were growing quite quickly. And a really, I guess, a really unique following from a customer perspective as well, um, which mm. actually requires a certain type of, of person to, to work there and be successful in the organization, uh, which means mm. when it comes to training and development, it really is all about the the, the culture, the characteristics of the individual. Um, skills obviously are important, but it, mm. it's a certain type of person that uh, you need to set up for success in a, in, in a business like that. How good, yeah, it's, it's a little when when you, when you business or a company that really appreciates cultural development, right? And it kind of fits hand in hand with the brand, right? You're looking for something, someone that's emphatic and catchy and talkative, um, that like, loves people. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the extroverted side of the dimension, so I, love all, I know all about that. Um, but it's definitely, um, it's hard because some people just don't have don't have that, right? Um, especially in sales, sales I, I suppose a sales company, it's like, it's absolutely paramount. Um, so you've got like, obviously a range of, I hope you can so um, black milk, um, McDonald's black milk a bit different, but like, I know that Collins Foods is really big on guest experience and staff experience. What do you found with the crossovers between kind of black milk and then building a, like a restaurant dining experience for Collins Foods? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's about knowing, knowing, knowing where the company wants to go. What is their vision? Mm. What's their mission? How and how do they want to achieve that? Um, and so, every everything that that I do and that I've always done is always comes down to values. So, mm. you know, are they just words on a wall or are they, are we actually going to walk that talk? Are we going to live and breathe mm. those values each and every day? Um, and one thing I think for Collins Foods is that we're really clear on that customer experience. We know, you know, we, we know what makes us successful. We haven't been around for 52 years um, without delivering great customer experience. And so I yeah. think for me, it's then, you know, winding back from that, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't put your people first um, in mm. your employees, you can't serve those customers. So it is really important about that employee experience and making yeah. sure that you look after them, number one, because if you look after those people, they will then look after your customers. And, you know, the values come through in your employee experience, which then, actually comes through and, and gives you that point of difference when it comes to your um, to, to your customer experience as well. Um, and so I think, you know, probably answering the question in a bit of a, a flipped way, I think a lot of that I knew when I was at Black Milk, but I don't think I could articulate in the way that I can now. Um, mm. I think, you know, we, we knew at Black Milk that it was about our values, but did we probably weave that golden thread through by focusing on our people first and then the customers? Maybe not. I think we did it more, what does the customer want? And then wound it back that way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, I think I think at Collins, we do it the right way. And, and not just from the employee 
uh, day to day, but we actually try and live that through our candidate experience. So before you've even gotten a job with us, giving you a taste of what it looks like to work for the company um, mm-hmm. before you've got the job and, and then the rest kind of follow suit from there. It's like a, a top a top down, I suppose like trickle down economics type of experience, except with culture and values. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are the key values that you would probably hire for for Collins Foods? Or what are the attributes or traits you would probably look for within new employees um, off the block? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, yeah. our, our first value is people at the heart. And mm-hmm. I think that it's number one there for, for a reason. Um, somebody that, treats treats their colleagues like family um mm. somebody that is a team player somebody that um you know i guess that in turn would treat a customer like their family as well um and so what goes around comes around very much but we do very much believe in and obviously it depends on the role um, that you're going for but you certainly do need some technical skill if you're going for mm. a customer service or a food service team member role with us and say kfc or taco bell you certainly don't need any experience mm. um, and ultimately it comes down it comes down to that that culture fit if you can show showcase um you know who you are your personality what you bring to the game um you know from i, I guess through that interview experience then that's somebody yeah. we want the skills we can train you know we can we can tighten those up but the, the culture, that that is something that you can't train. Um, and so that's ultimately what we look for. I love that. I love that. that you just recited probably three of the five Zappard values, um, which is really nice to hear that there's a crossover. There's something about, I'm obviously with like video-based hiring, right? Um, and it's, it's part of what we do. But um, as, as, I said, as I said before, the podcast that I spend a lot of time with kids and, and like young adults, and that the, there's this um, trepidation towards walking into a place and kind of selling yourself. And I think it's really hard as a teenager or someone that, with no experience, you know, looking for a job at Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever. But I've done, I've done a lot of hiring, as you have. And if, if you get a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kid coming through saying, look, I have no experience, but I'm super hungry to learn and I, I just love people, 99 times out of 100, I'm going to give you that job, right? There's something about, um, being confident and just sharing, look, I, I'm being actually somewhat vulnerable to take the Brene Brown route um, and just saying, look, I really don't know all that much, but I'm super eager to learn is that's like more than half of it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful. How good. So you have, you have what, three, 300 locations or something, 350 locations? Yeah, we do. Uh, so we've got, I think at last count was 339. Um, we do have a counter. <laughs> in okay. front of our list, which helps me keep track of that ever-growing number um but yeah we've got 339 a majority of our sites are based here in australia and, uh, and we do have sites over in the netherlands and germany as well um and a, a master franchise agreement that we signed in the netherlands late last year which is a really exciting i guess part of the business that's growing and um yeah. exciting times for us as well so are you hiring um australia and internationally um, at the moment, predominantly Australia. Um, yeah. So we, we do hire for some some of our corporate roles that support our European part of the business. Um, mm. But predominantly, my role mainly looks after the Australian part of the business. Still a lot of venues to cover. It is. It's a, it's a lot. It's massive. Um, I think that, that, I mean, you must actually type A personality, right? Like, I suppose you have to be to manage 250 plus venues in a location, each with, I don't know, 30 to 50 staff. So it's a lot. Lots on the plate and kids and family, right? All the other bits and pieces. Um, so 
Uh, you were talking about the first job. Yeah, I think I'm just obviously like a lot of experience as not domain specific experience, but it's like moving across kind of corporate. You said entrepreneurial ventures and black milk. The other I saw that you were at the Cochlear at um, Cochlear. It's not Cochlear Implant Centre, but it's Cochlear Limited. Yeah, Cochlear Limited. So I do the the so, hearing implants. Yeah. So I mean, one of my to my very short. My dad runs a charity called the Animal Stop Workers Foundation, and they um, have funded the Cochlear Implant Centre in Australia for, they reopened maybe 15 years ago or something. And one of my early, one of my first childhood experiences, I think I must've been seven or eight, was going and watching like a switch on of um, seeing a kid. It was, I still get like, just now, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. There was like, you know, like this kind of like medical room and there's a kid there playing with his mum and there's a doctor in the corner and then he's got this, got the earpiece in and then like all of a sudden he can hear his mum's voice. And yeah. I, I, I got goosebumps talking about it. Like, what was that like for you? Like, how do you hire for something? How do you train and develop a, a team like this? Yeah, it was really interesting. So my role there, uh, so they have a manufacturing plant here in Brisbane. Um, mm-hmm. And so my role was really working with the with the manufacturing staff that actually do all uh-huh. the, the, the soldering and all the tiny little, wow. um, you know, little power boards that go inside so it's you know everything's on the microscope um and they used mm. to have these these rooms where everything essentially there, there could be no germs because some of these parts are actually being implanted into into people's brains um and it was it was crazy because it was such a different feels for me it was going from re- well fast food to retail to now yeah. biomedical engineering like it was, <laughs> it was so different but all the concepts were exactly the same um and so i did i did a variety of different things so i did some really um technical learning and development with them which was really helping to i guess upskill their staff or, or get sort of um skills assessments done on their staff on mm. those technical components around for example soldering um you know two joins together on these little um power boards or micro boards um so there'd be parts of that and then the other part was was soft skills which mm. was so needed for uh, i mean english for second language for a lot of these staff a lot of we don't have a lot of these skills in australia so they would bring people wow. over from overseas because they did have this manufacturing skill set um mm. and obviously skill in this particular space is number one and you can't get it wrong when you're coming to to uh you know mm. medical devices um but then there were so many soft skills that were just so important that were were clearly lacking in some of these staff so it was about designing and developing um you know a program of works that would actually focus on that to make them more effective in in their jobs um but it was wow. so rewarding it was such a such a rewarding job to know that you're helping to support people that are actually manufacturing devices that get implanted some parts into people's brains and then on the other part of the piece that you physically see that sit on the outside um Mm. yeah it was amazing it was it was a really good opportunity and so so different for me but again it just goes to show the transferability of skills at the same time yeah right because usually you kind of go the other way like you have some sort of say i hate emotional emotional intelligence lingo but like say you have someone that's let's say low in but like high technical ability and it's usually the opposite usually someone doesn't have much skill so like how do you develop a program like that is it like bi-directional do you have are you building like obviously 
many experiences with subject matter experts trying to build job descriptions and like understand the organizational side of like what is actually needed technically how do you build a i suppose uh, a development program for soft skills yeah it was it, it was crazy it was i mean we kind of like i spent a lot of time with the manufacturing manager to to mm. really understand i guess what issues that they were having inside the inside the plant from a i guess a work function work effectiveness perspective and then we kind of wound back all right well what, what's at the root cause of that what soft skills do we need to need to focus on and, and need to develop um and i think a lot of it is that they knew what needed to be done um mm. but they didn't they didn't always know i guess the company's values or the company's you know um culture that sat beneath that so it was really mm. starting there and building layer by layer upon it um, and for us, we did quite an intense program. So we actually did um, weekly programs that was face to face, and that's what worked most. Well, that's what worked best for this this particular cohort was pulling them out of that manufacturing environment into an environment where they could just be themselves. They had the opportunity to talk. It wasn't that really controlled environment that had to be in the manufacturing floor every yeah. day. Um, and then just week by week focusing on, on something different. Um, and they seem to really enjoy it as well. It was a different environment for them. That's so good. A lot of people never have the opportunity to, um, I suppose, be put in a situation like that. Like hard, like I, I've worked with a lot of engineers and that sometimes you put them in a situation like that and they just love it, right? It's just like, oh, this is kind of, it's, because I suppose there's a whole le new learning aspect that they're like, this is something I haven't really challenged myself in before, right? And if it's not con gen it's generally not confrontational and it's done for the betterment of learning and development, then there's this like kind of two-way open-minded discussion about like, these could actually make your job like, not only in terms of skill a little bit better, but like you'll enjoy the whole experience of being with the company, right? Absolutely. So good. So then how did you move into uh, fast food, like family restaurants? Yeah. Um, so it, essentially, I, fi I finished up with um, cochlea. I was 39 weeks pregnant. Uh, and so when we had my second daughter, Audrey, and I I was just on a contract at cochlea. So I had no permanent job to go back to. So I kind of took, took a little bit of time. When I say a little bit of time, it really wasn't long to kind of go what's next in my journey. And um, I think at the time Audrey was 10 weeks old and I was scrolling through Seek and saw this opportunity with Collins Foods pop up and I thought, I can do that. That seems really like a really exciting, really rewarding role. Um, mm. Obviously, I've, I, I'm familiar with fast food from my time with McDonald's, um, so mm. I reckon I could I could slot in pretty well from a KFC perspective. Um, and yeah, a couple of weeks later, I had the job, and I started in the role when Audrey was 12 weeks old. So I had oh not God. intended on going back to work so quickly, but you know. I'm a big believer in you, you never turn down an opportunity because it's going to be challenging. So I knew it was going to be challenging with a little baby and um, I took the opportunity and I'm still here six years later. Tech, textbook type and personality. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> How good. Um, so that's well done. That's a huge load. Like I can't imagine doing it. I can barely put the right socks on in the morning. So well done for managing the building so many balls. Um, so being, uh, I suppose you obviously have worked, you've worked through COVID, which has been like a massive, um, I suppose across every industry. I'm just kind of curious, how do you see kind of HR um, and the workplace in general kind of shifting due to COVID in the next kind of two to five years? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. Um, I was really fortunate 
through COVID, uh, I was looking after internal communications um, and, and also culture. So one thing I think that, that did Collins an absolute tremendous um, favour was the fact that we just focused so heavily on communicating with our staff, being transparent with our staff through COVID, um, especially through unknown times. Um, and then we also did a reinvigoration of our values uh, in August 2020. So sort of at that six month mark into the pandemic. And I guess it just really allowed us to focus on, you know, what is important to people, um, values driven, which I think for Collins was really fortunate timing because one thing I think that we're learning as COVID keeps on going is that everybody's reassessing what's important to them in life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do I want? How does my, what do I want in life? How does my career or my profession align to those personal um, motivators as well? And I think the timing for Collins around really making sure that our culture and our values was you know, front and center throughout that time mm. has done us, uh, has done wonders for us. Um, mm. be, because at the end of the day, you know, a job in, for example, if you're an accountant is, is an, you can be an accountant anywhere. Um, but does, you know, another employer have the same competitive culture that we have, um, I guess, to align to those intrinsic motivators? Maybe it does, mm. maybe it doesn't. Um, mm. And so I think that gives us that competitive, competitive edge. So I think as a, as a HR professional, I'd say it really is around understanding what people want, what people mm. need, um, how can you position yourself as an employer to align to, you know, this, I guess, changing, I guess, changing needs of, of, of employees. Um, mm. And for some people that's flexibility. And I think that's one thing that we're seeing is more people expect a hybrid workforce. Uh, mm. Now, if, if you don't have a hybrid workforce, you're probably very quickly um, finding it out the hard way in terms, of, in terms of placing people. We find that it's one of the first questions they ask before you even get them in for an interview is what, what does your flexibility look like? Um, mm. What does your culture look like? Um, if you could explain it in, 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 in a handful of words, what does that look like? And that kind of aligns to what we're hearing from people is, you know, you need to give me, you need to give something to me that aligns to my personal values, my personal morals. Mm. Um, and then it also is, is, is going to be a holistic experience for me as a person, not just as, not just as a, an employee as well. Fantastic. That good spiel. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Such a good spiel. I love it because I, I think it's so underutilized, right? Like, yeah. it's also one of the things I think is weird. There used to be this like confrontation with being sick and taking sick days, right? And we just really added a human element to Absolutely. the workforce. It's like, now I'm sick, it's COVID. Everyone's like, oh, okay, look, I hope you feel better. I've had it. You know, it's rough. Whereas it was like, you got the flu. It's like, I can't come into work. And like, there's this whole, there's just, we've just normalized, I think, um, all of these things were kind of like deemed unprofessional. And now you have the people that are like, they're working in a place where they obviously want to be, um, even if they want to be there every day, you have the option to work from home, get some stuff done, like take a load off, um, you know, care. I suppose we're, if you're aligning yourself with values, it's like, you know, family, career, maybe spiritual side, exercise, whatever you keep your core, key concepts are. And you've just kind of you've diversified, I suppose, the proportion in which we're, we're allowing people to do more with their lives. It's just great that the company, I suppose the company such, usually corporations as large as yours, they kind of have this face value of like, yeah, we care a lot about it. But like, it sounds like you really thought a lot about this, which is it's really, it's bloody good to hear. Yeah, no, it's, it. yeah, it is. I think we, 
so many places uh, people you know can give you this spiel around you know what their vision is what their mission is what mm. their values are they're quite often on a on a wall um but they don't the company or organization doesn't live and breathe them every day um but that is one thing that we i can hands on heart attest to and i don't say this just from a hr professional's perspective but but genuinely as an employee of the business to say that they do they live and breathe them every day and every initiative that comes out you can see that their consideration of those values and making sure that they're living and breathing those every day is definitely a key factor that goes into all decisions that are made. And I know probably when I joined, I didn't think I'd still be here six years later. And and it's what makes it so special for me is, you know, obviously I've got two young children and, and something, an employee, an employer that aligns to those family values mm. um, and that creates this really unmatched experience is certainly somewhere that I want to be. And uh, and certainly I hope that I can give people a sense of that in my current role as well. That's lovely. It's really nice. Feel fully embodying the, the employee-focused workforce. I love Absolutely. it. Um, I have two more questions for you. We can, obviously there's no time to do this, but I have two key questions that are more related to you. So. If you could go back and give your 15 to 20 year old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, I, when I was reading over this question, it was such a good one. Um, and it probably really circles back to what I was saying, but I didn't know where, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. Um, and, and I did go to an exclusive all girls school. So there was very much this pressure around you need to know where you're going in life. You need to know what you want to do, and you 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 work towards that. And it was kind of this expectation that that's the that's the linear path that you have to follow. There was no option B and C. Um, mm. And so for me, and that's kind of what success was, I guess, modelled around, um, if you mm. say. And for me, as I've as I've grown up, I've realised that there are so many different ways to get to where you want to go and sometimes you don't know what that end destination is there is no destination you're just going on a bit of a journey and and experiencing a lot along the way and i think i put a lot of pressure on myself uh, as a as a teenage girl to figure out what that was that i wanted to work towards and so i you know picked a uni degree went to uni straight out of school because that's what you needed to do and that was what is expected of you and i you know with some really i guess good support of my parents they told me if it doesn't feel you cupcake don't do it like don't do it because <laughs> you think that society expects yeah. that of you um and so yeah I, I went and chose my own pathway and did it all back to front did get my degree i actually didn't finish my degree until uh i was i think 32 weeks pregnant with my second daughter um wow. and you know, if I think, would I have done the things that I've done today? Would I have landed where I am? I don't think I would. Um, mm. I, I think it's just about, you know, there is no linear pathway. There is no 100% definition of what success is. Success is what you want it to be. And so I think if I could tell myself with all of this, what well, the wonderful life experience that I've got now, it would be to tell the younger version of myself that it's okay to do what you want to do and that you don't need to follow this pathway uh, i guess that society expects of you how good and i could i don't think we could um give a better message to young kids right the pressure that's on them is enormous right and you just take a chance you know follow your heart give it a good crack don't do what society is drilling into you to do um and it's, it's funny because you tell i mean i do tell i love telling kids this because i did it backwards as well you know i'm finishing my first degree yeah, you'll finish obviously I'll step 30 right so 
that I'm doing it all backwards. And in my head, I'm like, oh, for the first five years, I messed up so badly. And then everyone I speak to that's older than me, they're like, no, no, you did, you know, you did the, the way that you chose to do it. And that's great. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. I'm sort of beating myself with a stick for the last 10 years, you know? Absolutely. Um, fantastic. So good. I'm going to ask you one more because this is my favorite question that I ask everybody. This it's kind of a bit, it's a bit deep sometimes, especially if I don't know the person. But I feel like we know each other pretty well. Um, so if you could have dinner with two to three people, dead or alive, who is it and why? Well, again, I was reflecting on this one this morning as I was getting ready because I have not been able to decide who who it is, um, who these people would be. And then I kind of realized, no, actually, I know, I know who they are. And, uh, and it, it's my family. It's, it's my two daughters and my husband. Um, well, and I say that, yeah. And I say that because I probably spend more time with other people than I do with my, with my own family. Um, you know, I, I spend probably a lot of time, um, a lot of time at work and, and, you know, a, a lot of time commuting and then, you know, a lot of time doing running the kids around to extracurricular things um and so that family time is just so valuable and it's i i'd rather spend that time i mean yeah there's plenty of people that i could probably name and think yeah it'd be really cool to get to know that person or ask them these questions um but ultimately does that help you create long long lasting memories i don't maybe not um you know, you only get a few, a handful of, of years with your kids and uh, I, I'd certainly rather spend it with them creating memories than um, with, with a superficial conversation with somebody, you know, that might be cool, might make me feel good at the time. <laughs> that wouldn't give me that long-lasting, um, yeah, that long-lasting memories, maybe not. I love that. Strong family values, working for a company that appreciates that. It sounds like you're in a really nice spot. Well, thank you. <laughs> so uh, thank you very, very much your time today um i really appreciate it um would love to maybe have another chat in the future i'm sure we'll chat back and forth by email um everybody thank you so much for tuning into people talking people i hope you enjoyed this chat uh with kate um please subscribe review give us a chat send us an email if you have any questions kate thank you very much for carving some time out of your busy schedule i'm sure that you type a to weasel it in there somewhere especially on a monday um appreciate the opportunity absolutely my pleasure thanks sam speak to you soon